In your Bibles this morning, I invite you to the book of Romans with me, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And our passage this morning begins in verse number 9. In Romans chapter 12, Paul is seeking to build on the foundation of the gospel that he described in chapters 1 through 11. And Paul wants us, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to have in our minds a very tight connection between the gospel and the way that our Christian life is lived out. How we believe affects how we live. And so he has described in the greatest passage or the greatest treatise on the gospel perhaps ever written, what God has done for us by grace, that by grace, by mercy, through faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be justified before God, we can be forgiven, declared innocent and righteous in the sight of a holy God. We've also seen in his description of the gospel that when God does this work in our hearts, when he regenerates us to new life, when he grants us this gift of faith, when his spirit comes into our lives and transforms us, he does not leave us unchanged. He makes us new. He makes us different. And he is transforming us from the inside out. And so Paul has called on us in the beginning of this chapter to, to offer to God, in light of the gospel, in view of his mercies, he is worthy of the best sacrifice that we can possibly give. And for us as New Testament Christians, that best sacrifice that we can give is our whole lives. As a living, day-by-day sacrifice of worship to God. And in order to do that, we have to build on the work of transformation and regeneration that the Spirit has begun in us. And in His grace and in His power, we continue to have our minds transformed through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God and not conformed to this world. So a new way of thinking. In verses 3 through 8, Paul addressed the church And the way that they relate to one another within the church and the way that they serve together as the body. So he was reminding us of what the church is. And he used this illustration of a human body to remind us that in a human body are many parts that serve many different functions. But they all fit together and they serve a common purpose. They work together in harmony to do work, to achieve tasks. That's how the human body works. So also is how the body of Christ is to work, how it is to be. We are different people with different backgrounds and different gifts. We've been blessed with different gifts from God, who is the sovereign Lord and the dispenser of gifts. And so he has brought us together of people of different backgrounds and different gifts, different parts of the body, if you will, but to serve together in harmony in unity. And in order to do that, we have to have a humble sense of who we are, a humility, a love for one another. And it's on that concept of love and humility that really the rest of chapter 12 builds. Many of the themes that, that come up again throughout the rest of chapter 12 are love and sincerity and humility and peace. And so he begins in verse number nine with really a a whole collection 
of very short staccato type admonitions to us as Christians and how we are to live, how, do, how we are to put our love for God and love for one another into action in the Christian life. And he offers these very short statements to us really without much explanation, assuming that we will know what he's talking about and that we will understand how we are to put these into practice in our lives. And I want, I want us to focus this morning on verses 9 through 13. And in verse number 9, Paul says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you that we have this privilege this morning to look to your word, to gain instruction from it. Lord, many of these admonitions are very practical, very clear, and yet these are the things with which we struggle the most. These are the things that we need to work on every day, Lord, as your people. We need your grace. We need your help. It's hard to love one another, especially when people are unkind to us, especially when they don't do what we would like them to do. Lord, it's hard to love. Help us to love. Sometimes it's hard to be generous. Sometimes it's hard to live at peace with people who are difficult to live with. Lord, we need your help and your grace. And so, Lord, it's for this that we're thankful that we have your spirit living within us. And we have the instruction of your word. And we have the body of Christ to help us and to provide a place where we can develop and work on these aspects of the Christian faith. Lord, help us to understand and and to apply, to put into practice these things. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we walk through these verses today, I'm going to tell you right up front, I'm probably not going to tell you anything new. I'm probably not going to tell you anything that you don't already know. These are very clear instructions. Our problem with verses like this in the Bible is not understanding them. Our problem is putting them into practice, isn't it? And so he says, first of all, we need to have genuine love. Genuine love. First of all, what is love? I think it's probably important for us even to define that, given the state of our culture right now. What is love? If you read current fiction, if you watch television, if you watch movies, you will get a distorted, very distorted view of what human love is. Much of it today is focused on sexuality And if it's not focused on sexuality, then it is a very sentimental, emotional type feeling. And that's pretty much the essence of love in our culture. 
So it's either something that is done physically or it's a feeling that you feel that can come and go. Either you fall in love and you fall out of love. The Bible's description of love is so much different than those depictions in the world. Love in the Bible is fundamentally a, a giving of oneself for the benefit of another. Oftentimes, that results in sacrifice. And the perfect example of biblical love is Christ. You can have no greater picture of love in the world than what God did in sending the Lord Jesus Christ to us to be our Redeemer. What's the most famous verse in the Bible? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the greatest demonstration of love that this world has or ever will see. And what was it? It was a sacrifice. It was a giving, a self-giving, a sacrificial giving for the sake of, for the benefit of others. That's what, that's what true love is, is being willing to take the hit yourself. Being willing to do something that you don't like to do. Being willing to sacrifice your time. Being willing to sacrifice your money. Being willing to get down and dirty. Being willing to do something for somebody else, knowing that it benefits them, even if it never in any way benefits you. That is true love. And Paul says that love that we have for one another, it must be sincere, literally non-hypocritical. Non-hypocritical love. How can you have hypocritical love? It's actually quite easy, isn't it? It's easy to have hypocritical love, insincere love. And insincere love is a love that says I love you, but doesn't do it. Hypocrisy is basically pretending to be one thing when really you're something else, right? And so hypocritical love is pretending to be love when really it's not. And so it's saying you love or saying you'll do things, but then you're still selfish and you still think about yourself and you still do what you want to do and you don't think about the other person. Hypocritical love is when you tell somebody, I'll pray for you, and you never pray for them. Hypocritical love is when you say, I love you, but you never do anything for that person. Hypocritical love is when maybe you do something nice for another person, but it's for a self interested motive. And so you can, there's all kinds of ways to have hypocritical love. And we're all guilty of it at different times in our lives. And Paul is telling us, no, put that aside. Don't love in a hypocritical way. Don't, don't say things that you don't follow through on. Don't pretend to be someone who loves who actually doesn't. Don't love for the wrong reasons. Don't love for the wrong motives. Don't love just because you'll get something in return but love sincerely, love without hypocrisy. And so genuine love. He says, secondly, in the second part of verse number nine, that we need to have a love for righteousness. 
So we need a genuine love for one another. We need a love for righteousness because he says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Hate what is evil. This is probably one of the strongest words in the scriptures for hatred. Abhor, hate, detest that which is evil. I'm going to get into meddling here for a moment. Can I do that? Is that that's part of a pastor's prerogative, right? To meddle a little bit. Got to step on some toes every now and then. Do you watch on television or in movies that which is evil? Do you watch and enjoy and use as one of your primary means of entertainment that which is evil. It's just something to think about. Are, are all movies, all television shows, all forms of entertainment, are all, is it all open to Christians? Some Christians live like it is. That really, there's no barriers. I'm not doing that thing. I'm not guilty of that thing. But yet, we watch other people do that thing. Is that really hating evil? And I think one of the areas in which Christians are guilty of this is in sexuality in movies and television. Is it okay as a Christian to watch on television or in a movie actors who are not married act out scenes of sexuality on the screen in which they're physically committing adultery and us as Christians use that as a form of entertainment? Is that hating what is evil? I think we need as Christians to go back to chapter 12, verse 2, and ask ourselves, have our minds been conformed to the pattern of this world? And by watching these movies, is our minds are our minds further being conformed to the pattern of this world? Or are our minds being transformed to think and to act differently according to the word of God and according to the indwelling spirit? Maybe I'm wrong in, in, in saying this. I think it's a legitimate thing to say and maybe a good way to think about this. Would you invite Jesus to come and watch this movie with you? The Holy Spirit is living inside of you, right? When you go and watch that movie. Would you invite Jesus here, if you were here in the flesh, to come and watch that movie with you? It's something to think about. I think we need to assess how we spend our time and what comes into our minds. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. 
This is a part of the, the gospel transformation that is happening in our hearts, in our lives, that those who have genuinely been born again by the Holy Spirit of God, there is a transformation in their thinking and in their loves. What they love, what they treasure, that is being changed by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God, if you are a Christian. Don't revel in, don't take joy in that which is evil. Instead, hate that which is evil, cling to, spend your time on, love. Spend your resources on things that are good. So a love for righteousness. He says in verse number 10 that we need a faithful love. A faithful love. Be devoted to one another in love. I think that the idea here is one of faithfulness. That in living out our love for God and our love for one another, that we are loyal and faithful to one another. And, and there's all kinds of areas of our lives where I think that we need to put that into practice. Obviously into our marriage. I think it's the most important human relationship that we have. If you are married, then that marriage should be characterized by absolute loyalty and fidelity. But there are other relationships that we have that should be characterized by devotion and loyalty as well. We need to be loyal friends. Now, I'm not saying we, we go along with that which is wrong, that which is evil. If our friend is going down the wrong path, we don't, we don't stay loyal to them if they're going to take us into iniquity. But we need to be loyal and faithful to our friends as, in as much as we can and being faithful to them. I think we need to be faithful to one another in the body of Christ. And this is primarily the arena in which Paul is is talking about, isn't he? In the body of Christ, that we should be loyal and faithful to one another. And yet, it seems like, in our current age especially, that folks hop from church to church often, if something goes wrong, if somebody hurts our feelings, if something is voted on that we don't like, well, I'm just going to leave and go over here. And there's no sense of loyalty, no sense of attachment to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Be devoted to one another in love. So we need a faithful love. We need, in, in the second part of verse 10, we need a deferential love. A deferential love. What is that? It is to defer to the needs and wants of other people. He says in the second part of verse 10, honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. And I think simply that is, is treat one another with respect, treat one another with love, treat one another with honor. But the way that that often lives itself out is putting your wants and desires second underneath the wants and desires of somebody else. Such that we shouldn't have arguments and disagreements within the church or arguments and disagreements within our homes about things that really are not that important, things that are really just about what we want. There should never, ever, ever be a church split over the color of carpet. Right? I mean, that's a preference. 
That's, that's a desire. That's, that's a want. Now, if somebody starts teaching heresy that Jesus is not the Lord, that he is not the Son of God, okay, then we've got another problem. But there should never be a church split over the color of the carpet or the color of the curtains or what the square footage of, of, this, bo- of this building remodel is going to be over, over if this person plays this instrument or that person plays this instrument. There should never be a church split over those things. Those things are desires, preferences, wants. We should defer to one another on those things. Within the home... We shouldn't be arguing about, you know, where are we going to lunch after church today? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. You know, unless you're going to a place that's going to make you sick, you're allergic to something there, okay, that's different. But if if there are equal options and it's just one preference over another, defer, right? Just defer. Put the other person first. But we're selfish. And that selfish runs deep in us. It runs deep, but the Holy Spirit is transforming us. He's transforming us, but we've got to build on that, right? We need to work through the power, through the grace that he is supplying. And it's not as if we don't have to do put forth any energy in deferring to one another. We have to work toward that. We have to put forth effort in deferring to one another. We have to make a conscious choice, especially when our default knee-jerk reaction is me. We have to make a conscious choice to say, no, you first. Deferential love. In verse 11, Paul talks about energetic, serving, zealous love. And here I think he's talking about in the church, in the body of Christ, zealously serving the Lord. He says in verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, that is passion, love, energy. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. How do you keep your spiritual life active and vibrant? How do you keep your spiritual life from just becoming boring and, you know, dry and dusty? I think the only way to really keep your spiritual life active and vibrant is to use the means of grace that God has given to us to help us grow as Christians. And that is primarily the word of God and prayer and serving together in the church and worshiping together in the church, the body of Christ and other means of grace or spiritual disciplines. These are the things that God has given to us, and we need to actively engage in these things. And I will tell you that the more that you are enamored with the things of the world, the more dry and dusty the church and spirituality will seem to you. Again, how is your mind being shaped? In fact, that might even be a good barometer. That might be a good barometer of whether or not your mind is more conformed to the world or transformed by the Spirit. A good barometer might be how dry and dusty and boring is church or the things of God to me. If church and the things of God are very dry and boring and dusty, then maybe your mind has been more shaped by the world than by the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit. 
So a, a zealous love, a, an active, vibrant love, serving the Lord, actively doing things in service for the Lord. And how do we do that? Primarily through serving one another. We serve the Lord primarily by worshiping Him to, together, but then by serving one another in love. So a, an energetic, zealous love. In verse 12, he talks about a persevering love. Persevering, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I think the the thing that holds verse 12 together is the idea of persevering. Of persevering through difficult times, through affliction, looking forward to the hope that we have in Christ. Holding on to the faith and the love of God. Joyful in hope. We can be joyful in in the midst of difficult times because of the hope that we have to look forward to in Christ. We can be patient or enduring, persevering in affliction because of that future hope. And living in this life, going through these afflictions, but having our hope set on the future grace of God, that helps us to abide in prayer. To abide in prayer, stay close to God in prayer. Persevering love. Lastly, verse 13. I think Paul reveals to us that we need to be engaged in generous love. Generous love. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Again, the primary arena in which Paul is talking about here is the church of God. Other brothers and sisters in Christ. And so in Galatians, Paul says, do good to all men, but especially those who are of the household of faith. So we have a primary responsibility. Our first and foremost responsibility is to the needs of our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. And if we know that there's a need there, then we need to seek to meet that. A physical, tangible, financial sometimes need, we need to reach out. And be willing to help in that way. And practice hospitality. In the ancient world, hospitality was an expectation. It was something that was the norm in the ancient world. That in the ancient world, you would invite a a newcomer to your town, a newcomer to your village. You would invite them to stay in your home and give them a place to stay and give them food to eat. And that was just common in the culture of the ancient world. And Paul is even saying to Christians, go above and beyond what is the normal cultural expectation in showing hospitality. One of the ways that the early church practiced hospitality was in traveling missionaries who would go from place to place, such as like Paul, when Paul would go to a new city and he would preach the gospel, he would depend on people to take him in either Christians or people who became Christians through his ministry, then he would, he would live with them, stay with them, and they would provide hospitality to him. Traveling missionaries would come through, and, and Christians would give them place to stay in their homes. Third John talks about that in, in a, a very specific situation. Practicing hospitality. Now, obviously, today is different. We live in a different culture, but we can still practice hospitality. If we know somebody is coming through, maybe a, a traveling missionary, a, a pastor, we can volunteer to let that person stay in our home. 
If, if somebody, you know, even beyond that, we can invite people over for meals. We can share times of fellowship together with one another. But being generous and sharing with what the Lord has given to us. And all of these things, all these uh, uh, different commands that Paul has given to us in these verses, there are, a, there are an infinite number of applications to them. There are all kinds of different ways that we can put these things into practice. But here's what I'm encouraging you to do as we finish our time this morning, is think about these things. Think about these things. And, and there, were a, there was a lot of different things that we covered in this passage today. Maybe just start with one. Maybe just start, how can I, as a Christian, as a believer in the Lord, how can I do better at sharing the blessings that God has given to me? How can I do better at, at giving hospitality to other people? And maybe just start there. What are some, or maybe, you know, what are some ways that I'm being selfish that I could do better in deferring to the needs of someone else? If we practiced even just these things, these few commands that Paul has given us in verses 9 through 13, we would never have any conflict. We would never have any conflict in the church or in our homes, in the body of, in the body of Christ. But that's, the problem is these things are hard, isn't it? These things are hard. And it's not that the Roman Christians didn't know these things, but he's reminding them because it's easy to forget them. It's easy to forget them, and we get into habits, and we get into routines, and every once in a while, we need to have those routines and those habits shaken up. And we need to think about things that we need to change and, and have more transformed by the grace of God. So may the Lord help us to be Christians who put our Christian love into action. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, we thank you for the love that you have shown to us. Lord, we didn't deserve your love. We were sinners. In our minds, we were hostile toward you. We were without hope, Lord. We were headed our own way. And yet, Lord, you showed love to us. You showed love to your enemies in that you sent Christ to die for them. You sent Christ to die for us. Unworthy sinners. You've adopted us into your family. You've made us the children of God. And all this because we didn't deserve it. Lord, through your help, through the grace of your Holy Spirit, may we even in a small way seek to emulate that love in the way that we show care and compassion and deference, patience with one another. Help us to... Help us to put these things into practice, Lord, so that we might be your church, so that we might be a shining light for the gospel, so that people may see this is what happens when the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms hearts and lives. May people see that in us, Lord. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.